Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and remember, remember the beer of November. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading V for Vendetta by Alan Moore, illustrated, not that that matters for a podcast, by David Lloyd. (laughs) And uh, who's starting with a beer? This is Maximum Intrigue by Grimm. And this is a double IPA that is 8% alcohol. The book is very grim. Good connection. <laughs> that was the connection, yes. Uh, this is beer is delicious. It's really, really good. Very fruity. Not necessarily juicy, I would say, but there's something very fruity in it. This beer, Maximum Intrigue, is because there are many, many, many secret government plots and conspiracies going on in this. Just one, you know, just... On many layers, many levels. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of intrigues. So this is our second Alan Moore book. We did Watchmen at some point. I don't even fucking remember when. But this is View for Vendetta. Arguably, depending on which uh, which nerd you ask, better or just as famous for sure. People will angrily debate this on Reddit, which one is better, I'm sure. But super duper famous. Uh, And you will, at the very least, recognize, if you've been alive in the last 15 years or so, the the mask that he wears, the Guy Fawkes mask. Which, uh, fun story, uh, my kid was born on November 5th, which is Guy Fawkes Day, and I really tried to get my uh, wife to let us have Fawkes be my kid's middle name. (laughs) And she was like, shut the fuck up, Mike. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right, you had a baby. I'll be quiet. So the book came out, has kind of like a weird release history that we didn't have to deal with, except for Nate, because he was alive this time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it came out in the 80s. And originally, like comic books do, it came out in a seri- in a you know, monthly format. And I, I don't know enough about comic book history to know if serialized releases were that common at the time for, like, standalone stories. I guess it must have been, because there was no such thing as a graphic novel in 1982. But the book came out in chapters in part of a, a longer anthology comic book called warrior which did not last very long and this was just one of like five stories that were in it and every month there would be another you know couple chapters and that comic book actually got canceled because nobody was reading it or not enough people were reading it before all of the chapters of v for vendetta could be published and then uh later on the remaining chapters would be published in like the whole last third of the book wasn't published, the the third chapter, and a little the very end of the vicious cabaret was not published in that. Then they were republished in a different thing, and then they were collected into like a standalone book, which is kind of what you see today. Which is originally it was black and white, which I have to say it must have been so much harder to understand what was happening when it was in black and white. Like absolutely, like maybe that's why it didn't wasn't a big hit. So now you buy the colorized anthology that has all of it and that was first published i think in like 88 or 89 uh when finally it was all put out in one book with the full story which again wasn't really a thing at the time and al it's like one of alan moore's i guess great contributions or whatever to to the graphic novel format is this is that idea of you know taking the graphic novel format is yeah exactly <laughs> is the idea of taking what was a like chapter thing like, you know silly like here's an issue number twenty two thousand seven hundred eleven Spider Man takes a shit 
And then putting all that together to make one coherent story and not like filling it with total garbage and not making it run on forever. So it's kind of like the equivalent of the British approach to TV versus the American approach to TV of, Hmm. you know, we're just going to do a series of 15 episodes and that's it. Then we'll move on with our lives as opposed to we need this to make it to episode 100 so it could be in syndication forever. Even if that means it's Fonzie surfing over a fucking shark, which is a... That's where the jump the shark thing comes from. Is from he was days. ski jumping over ski shark, jumping. Actually, yeah, not that's right. Surfing. I couldn't think of the right word. Shark was on the mountain. Shark had a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny though? That was only in like season five of Happy Days, and it ran for like another seven years. But like the, the phrase like jumping the shark now is usually when things have like gone on too long. But like Happy Days had more time post shark than pre shark. Well, there it is. Well, this doesn't <laughs> jump the shark. Does, does some other wild shit. But I need a beer for it. I need a beer. Hold on. I need a beverage. I'm drunk. I'm not drunk enough to to understand this to understand this extremely complicated story. <laughs> so this is a beer that's been sitting around in the fridge for a while. So you can't get it anymore unless you're going to go like trade with weirdos, uh, which is a real thing for beer, by the way. Uh, this is from Evil Twin Brewing NYC, and it is called Stouty Mate. And if you look at the can art, gentlemen, it kind of looks like Coffee Mate. Like that's what they're going for. Yeah. And it is a, a uh, imperial stout with toasted marshmallow and dark chocolate coming in at a modest 13% alcohol. Oh, good Lord. Oh, dear God, that's good. Oh, I don't know how I held on to this for so long. This is worth blowing up Parliament for. Isn't anything. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's some Brits that'll do it for a really good scone, but this is, <laughs> this is delicious. So I'll tell you, Stouty Mate, uh, because of the main character, uh, has a partner he meets pretty much in like page two. She's and not that stout. She's, she's not short, s- though. She's not stout, <laughs> but she's like, you know, his mate in like a British pirate sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> mate, you know? It sounds very Australian, actually, but whatever. I had to drink these. But they're mostly British, so yeah, whatever. Exactly. With a little bit of kangaroo and dingo mixed in. <laughs> The guy who plays V in the movie is Hugo Weaving, and he's Australian. It's true. It fits. And Natalie Portman just has a very bad British accent. She's an Oscar-winning actress, God damn it! Well, hopefully not for this movie. No. Not so for no. this, no. 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 Nobody won anything for this. <laughs> just grief. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's a very complicated plot, of which I'm sure I'm about to do a terrible job explaining. <laughs> But you all, I guess, well, I guess we'll go sort of like, you know, the way you discover it instead of just explaining that. Do you think in Italy they call this book Five for Vendetta? In Rome, they do. In Rome, it's Five for Vendetta. <laughs> just <right>? Rome. <laughs> five for Five Vendetta. <laughs> Come on, Native Star. I'll be good now. <laughs> okay. So all the first panels, you just see a, like, girl, and she goes up to a random guy on the street and just like, hey, what are you up to right now? Uh, and she goes, <laughs> she basically says, hey, I've got nothing. Can you fuck me? <laughs> basically, she's, she's prostituting I'm the world's herself. worst prostitute. Just, do you yeah, want to sleep with me, you know, for in, money? In the vagina? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically, she, she says, do you want to sleep with me for money? He's like, really? And she's like, I'm told that's a thing men do. <laughs> and he says, you know, well, I happen to be in the government, so I can just arrest you. But actually what he does is he calls like two other goons over. He's called, they're part of the the fingers. 
Yeah, we're finger men. We're not going to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like summer camp. <laughs> so, um, and so these, and then he calls his other dudes over and they're basically about to rape her. But then some masked and caped figure jumps down and kicks all of their asses. And then, and he's wearing this like mask. And then he says, oh, I'll help you little girl. Oh, but first, <laughs> watch this. And then there's a big... Expl- first, there's this, like, Beethoven's fifth is, like, playing over, like, speakers. Well, and he, then... Before he does that, when he's beating them up, he doesn't just... He beats up one or two of them, but then he blows them up with a bomb. While quoting Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. He kills a bunch of them right off the bat with an explosive... Like, they grab his hand, like, hand is an explosive, teehee, and he kills them. Kills a bunch of cops on page three. Then he like takes the girl away. You find out his name. Her name is Evie. 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 Whatever. Evie. So she and they like brings her up to the roof, and I'm definitely like like I read all of it, and then I was like I need to probably watch the movie too because I think people have more people have seen the movie than read this. So I watched that like immediately right after all in the last week. So it is gonna blend together in my mind. Oh, yeah. So, and then he's like, brings her up to the roof, and then he's like, okay, now we're just going to blow stuff up. And then stuff explodes. S- stuff called the parliament. <laughs> the, yes. whole, the whole parliament explodes. It blows up houses of parliament. Which, yes, it was parliament, except in the movie, parliament doesn't blow up till the end. Yeah, they switch it the, around. But in the book, in the, in the, in the comic, it blows up parliament first, because that's what Guy Fox did or tried to do. Because what he's saying to the people of England at this time is, attention, please. (laughs) This is attention, please, from Bearded Iris. And this is a double IPA. I think it says 8.2, but it's pretty small. 8 or 9.2. I don't know. But uh, it's really good. It It says pillowy, tropical citra. I don't know. My eyes are trash. I don't know. But uh, it's quite nice. It is uh, very tropical, very fruity, and uh, I like this drink a lot, and I'm happy that I have a large amount of it for this terrorism book. (laughs) This beer is the bomb. (laughs) Much like the hero. Yes. And then the masked crusader introduces himself and says... You can call me V, and then takes her away to his, like, underground lair. His bat cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Bat cave called the Shadow Gallery, where he actually has, like, paintings and music and stuff. And, like, anyway. entire sets of, like, West End musicals. <laughs> Don't you think he's, the shadow... He's liberated it. Don't you think the Shadow Gallery is... That must be a Cure cover band, right? Or maybe uh, Joy Division. Like, that's definitely... Absolutely Joy Division. Yeah. Joy Division, Joy, right? That's yeah. a Joy Division song, at the very least. Has to be. I think it's required by law to be. Nate, do you know Joy Division? I may never have heard it, actually. Uh, you ever heard of someone whine? 
Yeah. But British, yeah. but, but, but like, very but British. Sound like, in the background, like, no, 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 For like, it's tear us apart. And it's not terrible, but it is. He's like, he's got a lot of lamenting to do, but then he killed himself. Yeah. So, you know, oh, the signs were all there. The signs, he was, he was screaming it from the rooftops, like, help me. And we're like, what a good jam. I put it on my mixtape for you. Oh, shit. It was yeah. called Joy Division. I thought he was happy. Apparently, Joy Divided is not shared. It's just, oi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's J, oi. That's uh, Illuminati. Confirmed. Confirmed. Rothschilds. Back so to the is like, Speaking, speaking uh, of conspiracies. V <laughs> is like, welcome to my house. I've got a lot of art. I took it because we haven't really mentioned yet the backstory of this world is England in modern day 1997 uh, lives under the future of 1997. Many years ago, into the past. But their 56K internet, it's wild. (laughs) They they live under a fascist dictatorship run by Smash Mouth. (laughs) Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, <laughs> uh, the 90s. But Kurt Cobain is dead already. Yeah. The, the, the bad guys run England because... I forget when you learn this. fire. Yeah, but basically, England disarmed its nukes in the 80s, and then everyone else had a nuclear war, and they were like, England doesn't have any nukes. We'll leave them alone. So the rest of the world is shitty. And England got messed up by the nuclear winter. And then Nazis took over because it was a little fascist. Well, they were they were homegrown fascists, not technically Nazis. Brit Nazis. I think it's important to actually use the term like they use the they self identify as fascists. Throughout oh yeah, the book. though they're very open about it. The guys are like, is not I'm a subtle. Fa- in the, the the there's a there's a scene where was the guy's name Mr. S- Susan Susan, who they they did change the name in the movie because no one's gonna take a bad guy seriously. I'm Leader Susan. Like, Susan? What a Karen. <laughs> but but he, Susan comes out and he's like, he is the manager. And he's like, I'm a fascist. So what? Want to slap fight about it? <laughs> like, he just comes out and he like owns and that a, shit. And a big virgin. Yeah, well, he's a... Uh, but he's, no wonder he's got so much f- angst. I'm a fascist. And... He's be a real proud boy about it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so they... Well, so they, they took over get that out later. Yeah, or, yeah. Okay, we're going to back to it. And now we're living this world. Yeah, so England is owned by fascists. They're taken over by fascists. And there are a lot of other bad stuff happening in the world, too. And then you find out, you gradually find out some backstory about V in that during the... In its, so during the war, there was a, there was a concentration camp called Larkhill... What a fucking British name! <laughs> like even though, like I don't, I'm sure the words don't mean this in German, but they're like they sound very Teutonic and angry when you read about the Holocaust, and you're like, you know, like Auschwitz. Like that sounds like a fucking angry German word, but like Lark Hill just sounds like a British fop word. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. sound as intimidating and the imposing. dumbest bird on a pussy mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Upon Avon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, the actual name of Lark Hill was like Lark Hill upon Stratford, nearby the Hamstershire. <laughs> Hamstershire. It's <laughs> where all the children's dead pets go. <laughs> Hamstershire. Yeah, there was a lot of dead people there, and their and their pets. So this was a actual concentration camp, and in the movie, they definitely you know used Holocaust imagery in order to enhance the view of this place as a concentration camp. But one of the things that was going on there was that there were scientific experiments were being done on the inmates and the person, and you find out that the person running the camp was sort of like the head, like TV personality whose name is not Prospero, but it's something very similar to Prospero. It's Prospero with a lisp. Yeah. Prospero. And he's a, he's the radio man in the book. He's the voice of fate. Yes. He's just, he's head propagandist. And he's the Goring of Goebbels. Oh, Goebbels? What was Goring? Goring was the Luftwaffe. Oh, okay. Head. Oh, wait. Goebbels is the head of the, is the head of propaganda. But Jimmy said that this takes place in Hampstershire. <laughs> that can't be a coincidence. <laughs> And they're using these people as guinea pigs in their experiments. (laughs) And killing them like dogs. (laughs) But bees no pussy. No one can rat them out. Chinchillas. Uh, (laughs) Cold-blooded chinchillas. (laughs) This camp was not a fun place. This problem is minks to high heaven. And... You know, you figure a lot of bad shit went down, and the voice of fate was bat one of these guys. Oh, that's called bat guano. Shit. Oh, no, that's corona. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there, it, there's a million things happening at once, and there's a bunch of backstory, but there was a holocaust of sorts. Basically got rid of everyone who wasn't a straight white person. It was all the people who weren't straight white people. So, yeah, Which, it was a lot of a people. a lot of people. Yeah. So they uh, they got rid of them all, and now they're in uh, totalitarian England with Mr. Susan running things, and V, he's been through some shit, and he's out for revenge! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is revenge! You have to say it like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> From uh, Anchorage Brewing Company, that fancy one. Oh, shit. Yeah, the place by me started carrying all the Anchorage shit. I don't know what it is, but uh, this is a double IPA, 8.4%. And like Revenge, it is best served cold. Well, it's very cold in space. You see Star Trek 2? And Alaska. (laughs) Or Anchorage. (laughs) (laughs) And it's very lovely. Not like Revenge. We should say that these beers are brought to us by our friends over at Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. And uh, you could get all sorts of cool things like early access to our episodes, exclusive content, and even uh, cool merch things that we'll send to you. Uh, and men- so much more. Not even enough time to tell you about it now. So head over to patreon.com slash Club to find out if that is your sort of thing. So V has been through some shit, and he's looking for some, uh, some back pay. So he was he was in what was it he was patient five no he was in he cell was the patient five. in room five at Lark Hill in room five and notice the Roman numeral for five is a V and he was also the only survivor of their exper- experimental drug batch five 
which killed everyone else and made him crazy. It made him batch shit crazy. <laughs> no? Batch? Yeah. But oh. also made him like super strong. Like uh the movie makes a bigger the deal movie, out of that. Yeah. But in the book too, it's never like like he's the only he's like not affected at all. Like everyone else just like instantly turns well, into he, he dust. loses his mind. But his he's like a physical specimen. He stays sh- stronger than he's ever been, and he becomes really good at gardening. <laughs> yeah, no, he did great. But that that is one part where the movie and the book kind of really differ a little bit. In that he is in the book just crazy, or at least you know something something's not right. But he has no superpowers. In the movie, he is above average, strong and fast. Not like Superman, but, you know, top 10%. I remember once there was this Mad Magazine thing where it was like uncool superheroes, and it was like 1.1 man. And it was, <laughs> he <laughs> has the strength of 1.1 men. It was like, oh, he's going to beat the shit out of the guy. It's just going to take a long time. <laughs> you ever see, uh, you know, the, the, the superhero, the, the Tick? Of course. He was as strong as a crowded bus stop of men. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that actually describes V, because he's, he's pretty... Uh, I mean, in the movie, it was made by the Wachowskis. Or the, uh, Wachowskis. Is it Wachowskis? Is that a hard, uh, a hard chuck? I don't actually know. I always heard it as Wachowski, but yeah, I'm going to assume Wachowski. I'm glad we're arguing over the, how to pronounce Wachowski or Wachowski and not over if they're still the Wachowski brothers since they are both now, now they are trans just the Wachowskis. women. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, that, that's their thing to have like the super special effects Matrix shit. And this was, was this the movie they did after the last Matrix? They wrote this before the Matrix, but they weren't famous enough to get someone to let them make it. So then after they made The Matrix, they were like, you can do whatever you want now, Wachowskis. And they're like, let's make this other one that we wrote before that we like a lot. And they're like, cool. They also then updated the movie to make it more overtly like George Bush-ish. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, we'll definitely oh, we're the definitely going to talk about the movie. I haven't yeah. seen it in a long time, so I'm curious to see what you guys think. I watched it today, so I would remember it. It is so 2006. You might think, because we have a vaguely successful book and beer podcast that we figured everything out. Emphasis on vaguely. Very vaguely. Well, as most other podcasters refer to our podcast, they say, what? (laughs) (laughs) You you might think we figured it all out. But even we could benefit from some tips sometimes. That's where life coaching comes in. And of all the life coaches we know, our favorite is Tracy Michelle Bullock, founder of Simplicity Do Your Dream. She's a writer, a former startup COO and doula, HR professional, and creative thinker who is relatable, wacky, real, and very much an expert in all things work and job related. She is a uh, career and creativity coach who supports job seekers, freelancers, artists, entrepreneurs, and any other professional who wants an expert eye and ear to spitball, strategize, and offer any other kind of support for their career aspects of their lives and work. If you want to connect, Tracy offers free 30-minute meet-and-greet calls you can book via Instagram or the website simplicitydoyourdream.com and 20% off your first month of coaching if you drop drunk guys via scheduling a call, email, or direct message. So if you'd like to connect, check out Tracy on Instagram at Tracy Michelle Bullock. That's Tracy Michelle with one L, B U L L O C K. 
or you can go to our website at simplicitydoyourdream.com to learn more and schedule a meet and greet. And now, back to us. So she's, he, he's going to, he then, he, through a series of elaborate events, he abducts Louis Prothero, the voice of fate, and blows up all his dolls. Doll collector extraordinaire. <laughs> And who killed gay Lord. men in the in the concentration camps, but collects porcelain dolls. And is like this it's is a not man necessarily gay. It's not, it, but it it is funny that the one scene that he's in, he's like talking like the uber man. He's like, "Did I tell you about the time I sh- I banged that girl with all the other girls at, in the banging?" Like he's just he's and talk- he also tells the guy like, "Did I tell you how much I collect dolls?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned the dolls sir. every time, dude." You're like a guy with a podcast. You keep telling us about it, and <laughs> I, I know I'll I'll look when I'm ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has a huge doll collection, and then V demonstrates his very over the top sense of drama. If it wasn't from blowing up the houses of parliament, he has got panache. I'll give him that. He has an entire a one to one replica scale scale replica of the concentration camp in his lair. And he has the guy wake up, and he's like, "Come look, take." And he's dressed up as like you know, carnival vaudeville character. He's dressed up as a uh, Punch from Punch and Judy, but he also is wearing like a straw boater and a. He looks like one of those guys from fucking Disney World that sings in a barbershop quartet. He's like, "Don't you remember me?" And he's like, "I didn't do." It. And he instantly, the guy's like, "I had nothing to do with this. We were just following orders." <laughs> Whatever he says. He's like, oh, basically, we all did what we thought was right. It was a different time, the 80s. <laughs> there was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Who knew acid wash wouldn't be cool? And then he burns all of his dolls in the doll crematorium, and which is, I guess, a really big easy bake oven if we're going to keep the child's <laughs> toy thing going. <laughs> and then they find... It took, it took days. Oh, it's like how many light light bulb? (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's an industrial one. It's like a hundred light bulbs. (laughs) Gets up to a a pretty pert hundred and forty degrees in there. (laughs) So uh, that guy is driven mad by watching his dolls burn. I feel like he also did something else to him that we didn't see. Yeah, we don't. You know, you don't really know exactly what it was. Hopefully, it was not just that. It's like, oh man, all that time on eBay. (laughs) No, (laughs) I can't function now. So then V also kills and one of the one of the next scenes is the the priest. Oh yeah, that's good. The priest who totally like you know, it's a pedophile, but they send Wow, what a leap. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but they send but you know, you see the scene with the priest and then, then the guard's like, I'm sorry, there was a mix up with the agency. They person they send is a, a little bit too old for you, sir. And it's Evie. They said he says she says she's fifteen. He's like gross. He's <laughs> like ew, icky. That's that uh, basically what he says. Yeah, but it's actually Evie, and she. <laughs> Sorry, what he says is he says, "Well, Job handled his disappointments." <laughs> it's like he quotes he quotes the Bible to support his child molestation. Hey, there's a quote for everything. This book is not subtle. Not <laughs> subtle at good, all. Very good point. Um, and so Evie like opens the window, and just before, and then V comes in and, and kills him, or you know attacks him, and then makes him eat a poisoned um, communion wafer, I believe. 
Yep, he, he does. does yeah. And then he dies. Yeah, and then and the Evie bolts. Yep. Evie kind of runs away. Well, okay, this is where she runs away in the movie, but then she not quite in the book, I don't think. No, in the book, she sticks around a little bit longer. Oh, right. and She's like, I don't like killing people. Killing is always wrong. He's like, oh, sweet child, you have much to learn. And she she eventually leaves, but doesn't leave from that that yeah, scene. She leaves. The the the, the movie. Well, I'll get the yeah, whatever. She runs. She she runs away short soon enough. This is basically the end of the first chunk. Like the book is broken up into three sections. I forget what they're called. One is called the Land of Do What You Want or whatever. <laughs> do whatever the fuck you want. Um, well, the, the Land of Do as You Please versus the Land of uh, Take What You Want. No, it's the Europe after the rain. This is the end. That's the first section. This is towards the end of that. Then there's the vicious cabaret, and then there's the land of do as you please. This is towards mm. the end of part one, the Europe oh, after right the rain. Yeah. But also, each one of these parts has different chapters, and the title of each chapter starts with a V. Wasn't there a thing in the movie where he says like a whole bunch of fucking V words? In the his f- opening, does. his opening speech in the movie is all V's. Uh, they don't have that in the book. I thought I, I remember watching that in theaters like that's really cool. And I've, since I've never seen the movie, I have no idea what he says. But I'm sure the word it's a lot vex, of v's. vex must be in there. That's a good v, v verb. I don't, I don't remember. In the in the book, it's way more Shakespeare quotes. Uh, in the middle, you get a whole bunch of. So there's also like different sections of the book are like all the investigators. You know, there's the sort of a big police investigator, which you're, is going to come back to the end, which he's not an evil dude, but he's just kind of like. Trying to figure out what's happening, but then you get scenes from like also the, I mean the very 1984 scenes with like the head of the government with the dictator, and then the the eye and the nose and the mouth, the anus, throat, and the ENT guy who wrote this book. <laughs> I just remember what happens is uh, V kicks her out. She because she's like attracted to him and she's like she kisses him and he's like oh think of me as your dad and she's like who's your daddy and like no no your father and then he puts a blindfold on her and she like walks out through in a path and ends up in the middle oh, of some fucking like suburb yeah yeah he he trick he he kicks her out in the book which is different because probably one of the biggest differences is that in the book she is sixteen years old she's a kid. Yeah. And in the movie, she's like in her 20s and, you know, uh, just doing her own thing as a young single woman. But in the book, she is definitely a kid. Uh, so that's a weirder, weirder thing. And so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff. You get some backstory of the different people that, that are not V, it's people in the government and people looking into this. And then then there's some like family stuff. And then um, Evie is shacks up with some guy. But then it's like, like a he mobster. gets murdered. It's like a, like a middling thug. Yeah, he's thug. a criminal. But then he also gets he gets murdered. There's also the uh, the the saddest character in the world, uh, Rosemary, the widow, who Mrs. Uh, Almond, Mrs. Almond, because V kills her husband. V was nuts. Because he got in the way when. Uh, <laughs> When, when he killed he, the doctor, when lady. he was killing the doctor, that was a really cool scene, actually, in both the book and the movie, because that it never happened in the movie. Oh well, yes, the, it when does. He kills the doctor, when yeah, he kills, he kills the doctor, the doctor yes, yeah. but the husband doesn't exist, nor her in the movie. No, the killing of the doctor scene I was talking about—that's a cool scene in the movie and the book. 
where you know as it goes back and forth in the in the in the narration of the book the investigator douches are figuring out the connection between the random high profile killings and they all have something to do with this you know concentration camp and they're like what are the odds but the doctor lady v she wakes up from a dream and she sees like oh it's you i knew one day you'd come and fucking murder me and he's like and she's like thank god it's thank god you're here like as if the guilt has been eating at her for whatever it is she did and then later you find out she's the one that was in charge of the she was the quote unquote, she was the mangala <laughs> basically yeah. um, hmm. and and then and it's in both the movie and the book i remember this in the movie where she's are you going to kill me and he's like i already did 10 minutes ago when i gave you that injection and she's like oh will it hurt and he's like nope you're just gonna die and uh you know it's a really dramatic but interesting scene like because i mean it draws into the question of like what is his goal like his he's getting his revenge but he's not like sadistic about it and they, they keep calling him like a psychopath and we keep saying he's crazy and nuts and stuff like that but there's like a weird form of compassion here like this woman who clearly is just with her yeah she like she's but like other characters are like she's helped children and she helped an old lady who was incontinent or whatever they say and v somehow takes some sort of pity on her like, i don't know if that's i can't imagine i, I don't think anything with alan moore is unintentional but there must be something to that yeah uh, i guess we'll talk at, at the end about the differences between but even just the scene, you know, where he doesn't kill her in a violent, terrible way. What's the purpose of that? For some reason, he's nice to her. Uh, I don't really know why. They don't explain why. My guess is that because he's like, she's got to die. But she wasn't the worst one there, is my guess. Because they say late afterwards, all the other people died in, like, accidents. Well, yeah, they do reveal that he has killed a shitload of other people before the book even starts. Like, he's knocked off everyone that was ever working at the camp, and these are just the people that were in charge. These are the bosses. And he's already killed everyone else, and they met their end through a series of very weird ways. But, you know, someone gets bumped off by accident or during a totalitarian thing. You know, they don't question a lot of deaths. And at this point... Now everybody who was there is dead, so nobody can identify him. And I forget, was it Filch? Finch? Finch. Finch. That guy's like, well, there could be two two things happening. Either he just wants revenge for, you know, whatever happened at the camp, and, you know, who'd blame him? Or that was just the start. And as when you look at it, you're like, well, we're only a third through this book. I wonder which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> as I mean, at this point... He hasn't yet taken over the TV station, right? No, yeah, it's that's coming. That's no, like the he, next he's basic about thing. to. I he's think. about to. Yeah. So he walks into the main like propaganda TV station, of which, and he's like clearly wearing a suicide vest, and which is in the which is definitely in the comic, but as yeah, in the um, movie too, but is definitely in the movie, and that was much more important in two thousand six. Yeah, so it makes them broadcast his own like thing where v is saying like isn't this world terrible you people should rise up and you know do something about it and he has this long thing where he says it much more eloquently than that but then still manages to escape and doesn't blow himself up 
even though it looks like he's about to. I mean, it looks like he's threatening to blow himself up, but he doesn't. And this is still like only halfway through, and I'm already blanking on what the rest of it is. Well, at this point, Evie is shacked up with that guy who then gets murdered by a different gangster, a Scottish guy whose everything's written phonetically, so it takes you a minute to read what the fuck he's saying. Like I said, I found the whole font hard to read throughout the whole book. Like this, it's is, totally normal comic book font. I don't think so. I found really. It was, I found it hard to read. Maybe because I was reading it electronically. Because last time I, I read it, I borrowed your I think the, book. the scan of the of the thing just wasn't very good. Because I, I I of the thing that because I I shared with you the same. I read PDFs. the scan too because I couldn't read the uh, book without like shining a light directly on it because I'm old. <laughs> Without binoculars, um, yeah, I need fucking binoculars <laughs> to read it. It's so ridiculous. I guess we should start calling, making fun of you for being old instead of Nate. I just, I just have had trash eyes since I was six. That's a lot of cum dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on these cum gutters. So Evie's uh, man friend gets uh, stabbed with a with a sword through the door by another bad guy who comes back later. Who's a pirate, important. The pirate, and. Uh, she, I guess at this point, loses her mind, or not really, but reaches her breaking point and decides, all right, killing is okay. And she gets a gun, and she's going to kill the guy that did it. And then suddenly, she gets nabbed by the police. She gets ethered. <laughs> ethered. And then she gets thrown in, in jail, and she gets tortured for a long time, and they shave her head. Which is a really good scene in the movie. One of like the few scenes where like it didn't look... Oh, yeah. Well, they really did it. They shaved her head. They really did shave her head mm-hmm. for that scene. And that was pretty... And now that Courtney is a good actress, her British accent might not be very good, very strong, but... It was passable. It was fine. It's better than, like, Keanu's and Dracula, but... It's... Anything's better than Keanu in most things that Be- don't Better than Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. That is that is for sure. That I feel like that was on purpose. Like, just no one could have believed that, right? and dumb. You mean He's, Dick Van Dyke's accent? Oh yeah. No, he just like he he kind of just did a bad job, or more like he was given bad advice. Like somebody told him, "Oh, just do one of those really silly, silly British accents that is definitely not real," which is a bad idea. And this movie will win at least a couple of Oscars. And he's like, "Fuck it, let's do that." And it it worked. I did. And that yeah, guy's still worked. alive now. He will outlive all of us. Unless he died between when we recorded this and when this came out, Uh, no, it's impossible because he'll never die. He will. Yeah, he's like the he's like the judge. (laughs) (laughs) I will never die. He's he's great at dancing. He's he's great at dancing, and he gets. I don't know the size of his feet. They might be. He doesn't look like a big guy, but that's just because of the camera. He's seven feet tall, and he's bald as a baby. (laughs) (laughs) The camera adds a hair and takes away two feet. Go listen to our uh, episode on. Blood Meridian to know what the fuck we're talking about right now. Often overlaps with Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to our episode on Mary Poppins as well. Oh, don't do that. I mean, you listen to the episode, but don't read that book. It's trash. Spoiler. That's not a spoiler. Everyone knows it. So Evie is jailed. tortured, jailed and tortured and reads this long, long prison note written on toilet paper about a, about a lesbian Hot. <laughs> that was basically the point. Well, she it was Which from in, another prisoner who was in jail for being a lesbian. Well, because yes. whole the, the, which was a bigger deal in 1985. Well, or whenever I wonder if, out. like, when you know, 
Uh, I, I haven't really done any. I looked this up actually. Sociological uh, research here. There was a there was something called the Section Twenty Eight laws passed in like eighty one or eighty three. I think eighty three. Um, or I don't know. In the early eighties, it was a crime to publicly promote homosexuality. It wasn't illegal to be gay, but it was illegal to say that it was that it was good. So. Yeah, it, this is very. This whole book is very much an extrapolation of Alan Moore, who is, by any normal, adjusted person's account, a crazy person. Oh, he's batch, batch. Crazy. Oh, he's 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 basically he's a human almost, swamp thing. <laughs> he is almost human swamp. He actually wrote Swamp Thing for a long time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It was autobiographical. Like, I finally someone I identify with. <laughs> this but, is my uh, story. He saw basically like. At the beginning of this, this was the new Thatcher came to power, and he saw what was going. He's like, what would it take to nudge England towards full fascism? And in this version he made up, it's like kind of like that. It's it's more complicated than that, but it's Well, it's I wondered for, different. for their early 80s, the anti-gay thing might have also been influenced by the AIDS crisis. I mean, and if they even AIDS, mentioned it at all. Well, they didn't mention it in this book, but like, that I noticed at least, but AIDS was perceived for many years as a gay person's issue. Oh, know? absolutely, yeah. It was I mean, but I don't know how it was in America. I mean, in Britain versus America, where in America they didn't like just even talk about it for a few years. I don't know if the British government did any better. They've just started talking about the Light Brigade. Like they're very <laughs> delayed. <laughs> they have a glacial pace of well, action. Charge it up first. <laughs> That's a really deep, nerdy literary fucking name drop for you. Good yeah, luck with that one. Yeah, it is. Oh God. So she's in the she she reads the letter from this lady who's uh, been there. She's like, "Hey, shit sucks, but don't give up because you know that would be bad." And then finally, she like breaks down, and she's just like, "I fucking hate all of you." And then some dude, so the prisoner, the uh, head guard, it's like, "Well." Okay, this is your final chance to confess, and if you do, we'll let you out of here. But if you don't, we're just going to take you behind the shed and shoot you, yeah, shoot you. And, and kill you. And then she says, "I'd I'd rather you killed me." And then the guard says something like, "Well, now you're finally free." And she's like, "What?" And then just kind of, and then the doors <laughs> open, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then kind of like walks away and like realizes, like, wait a minute. This is this is the shadow gallery. Wait a minute. This is V this is V's place. What the hell? And then realizes that it was all some it's not explained exactly how this actually worked, but it was all a mind game done by V. V did this. She was never actually arrested by the police at all. Oh yeah. And then it's one of the worst things I've read in a while. It, 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 <laughs> yes. Except and then this part is like, oh, but you're finally free. Don't you realize your real, what you call your real world was actually a prison? Like, don't, like, embrace this moment when you realize that, that everything sucks and then you die. Um, <laughs> I had well, a prof- professor in college who explained, summed up, summarized Calvinism as life sucks and then you die. Yeah. No, that is and pretty much how they out, feel. And then you find out how much death sucks, depending <laughs> on how God felt about you before you were born. Yep. 
Is he the one who said it didn't matter what you did because it was all predetermined? And you have well, no double, control. Double, predetermina- double predetermination. You could be determined for heaven, but you could just as easily be determined for hell. As opposed to only some people are determined to have heaven and some people just like, who knows? No, if you're determined to heaven or hell. <laughs> like, And there's no indication. Sounds great. Well, John, John Calvin liked burning people at the stake, so you know which way he went. But uh, yeah, so... Evie is now sufficiently brainwashed and just utterly broken as a human being. And now she That's going to come back later. Ripe to be used. Indeed. Um, and so there, then there are like multiple plot lines going on. Going on and there's, there's like so a, many and it's so complicated. A, there's a coup that's being planned. There's a bunch of coups. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Susan. That's Mr. Susan. Susan. (laughs) One of which is the wife of the nose. No, no, of the eye. Almond guy. Mrs. Almond. No, no. Mrs. Almond is the one who is uh, pushed further and further into insanity. She becomes like a bear. Doesn't she become like a burlesque dancer? Yeah. And And, uh, the wife. Private dancer dancing for money? uh, Mr. Conrad, who is, I think he's. He works for the eye or the um or the ear or some shit. <laughs> it's uh, the eye, yeah, because they're, they're the surveillance people. Well, it's all and the she's five like positioning senses. him, positioning him to like take over. But in the meantime, Mister Creedy has you know started uh, throwing his dick about uh, as the new head of the Fingermen, um, because Digit Mahoney got killed, and so she is scheming a lot. And Mr. Conrad, I think it's, is it Conrad? I feel like it's Conrad. There's, there's like a thousand sub characters and they all look alike in this yep. drawing it was style. Really so it's really fucking hard, hard to, to understand. Uh, thank you. Especially I, when I, I you're like, especially when you're like banging through this thing. Like if I took like a week and read one thing a week, I could probably get it. But it, there's so many bunch of times. Yeah. I've, re- I've read this like probably four or five times at this so, point. So there's but like that plot is going hard. on, and then like the one detective dude, he goes to the concentration camp or what's left of it, and then takes LSD. He takes like a he takes a lot of LSD, and because he does, he realizes what's really going on. Because that's how that's drugs how work. Drugs work. <laughs> he gets he gets into the mindset of how a person out of their mind would think. Which, if you're taking LSD in a concentration camp, first of all, bold move. <laughs> that is the least good place to do that. How shits your pants? Second of all, I guess that makes a certain amount of sense when you try, like, how do I lose my mind? Better do hallucinogenics in the saddest place in the world. A place where hope dies. <laughs> yeah. Drugs reign supreme. <laughs> and it's like in the land of the one-eyed... The, the, the blind man, the one-eyed man is king. It's like, well, in the land of the having no hope at all and being full of despair, the guy who's fucking tripping balls is king. <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely true. I guess it's true. I mean, it's better than being dead, but it's it's a strange <laughs> formula for success. It was the 80s, and I am sure, I don't know this, but I am sure that Alan Moore did a lot of acid. I'm sure he's doing absolutely. it now. I think he's probably a little bit on acid almost all the time. He strikes me as a microdoser, except the micro is always a lot. He's a macro doser. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I have to drink this other beer. Uh, 
This drink is it. yeah, I'm gonna drink it. This is this is called Stouty Mate, Evil Twin NYC. And you might be like, Mike, you just had that. What is wrong with you? But I'm microdosing it. No, actually, this is Stouty Mate Cinnamon Vanilla Hazelnut, and this has that, that Coffee Mate Blue uh, look to it. And I was a little disappointed it that does. Evil Twin only made these two. They never made a Stouty Mate. You know, I thought they were going to do like a whole series, and you're going to get like your like pumpkin spice Stouty Mate or your uh, Irish Bailey's Cream whatever thing. But they just did these two, and I guess they weren't super popular. Uh, What's is, the difference between the two? So this, they're both 13% alcohol imperial stouts. The first one I had was with uh, toasted marshmallow and dark chocolate. And this one is with Vietnamese cinnamon, vanilla, and hazelnut. Since the I've had this hanging around for a little while, I expect the cinnamon to be a bit uh, muted. But it's still quite lovely. I prefer the orange one. The toasted marshmallow is better, but this is... This is really good. It just tastes like a like a weird coffee, like a weird hybrid of coffee overdosing on coffee mate and uh, alcohol somehow. It's quite lovely. Uh, Delicious. I'll, I'll just have to drink it all. I can't waste it. It's been this this can is like over a year old at this point. It's unbelievable. Almost a year old. Yeah. How did I have the self control? <laughs> You had just other beers literally in front of it in the fridge, and you didn't see it. That's basically what I had to do. <laughs> uh, um, super fan Eli had sent me some beers uh, that I I might save for when we were together. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> if but, you never tell him about it, we'll never know that you didn't. Well, he's he's actually going to come by here on another day just to hang out uh, since we're all we all got the shot of. Uh, 5G autism juice. So we're all ready. Bill Gates has come. Yeah, Bill Gates has come, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I made Joe Rogan cry. I got the shot. And um, we might drink one of them then. But the only way I can keep from drinking it was to hide it behind every other thing in the fridge. Makes sense. Because I'm a (laughs) grown-up. So there's a whole bunch of... uh, Why Stouty Mate? Oh, yeah, because she's still, you know, V's... She's still V's guy. She's short. Yeah. But, like, she's going to take over his, you know, his business. Soon yeah. enough. Maybe we'll just zip through the rest of this because it's too complicated to go over in detail. And <sighs> so there's the coup, for hours except now. the uh, uh, detective managed to figure out something about where V is and he somehow just saw the subway station him? by the camp. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah. It's Victoria Station. Oh, my God. That's it. And then goes down there and realizes V is there and then shoots him, but he's not dead. V creeps up on him. Yeah. Like he's he's like, hey, what you doing there? And then kind of baits him to shoot him and like stabs him superficially. So it's kind of like, I think it's part of his plot. And says, shoots him, but V says like, oh, but this is a, but I'm I'm not just a man. This is an idea. You can't kill an idea. Something stupid like that. Uh, and so <laughs> I think v, you saw on his so, AOL profile. <laughs> so V is now wounded and... Goes and it like manages to like kind of escape, and then Evie finds him, and it's like he's dying, and it's like you must, you must decide what to do. And then there's this whole scene where she's like, "Don't open, don't look at under my mask," but then she does, except it's like three different things, and it's like, "Oh, who it's like is what that?" Could have been what? Yeah, what could have been? But then she finally does decide to look at his mask under his no, mask. No, but she never does. Well, she imagines, maybe she just is imagining it in She's her mind. She's imagining, But yeah. in one of them, it's 
She takes off the mask, and it's her face under the mask. And so she decides basically to become V. She decides to take on the persona and do the thing, which is not, did not happen in the movie. But And then puts the V's body on, in a subway car packed with explosives into and sends it down to underneath you know, 10 Downing Street and blows it up. And then this, which was, and this is exactly a year later. This is the 5th of November, 1998. So there's another Smash Mouth song on the radio. (laughs) She's an all-star, all right? It was so hot. They were like walking on the sun. And also, uh, all the other government guys kill each other in their coup attempts. And then the sad widow shoots Mr. Susan in the face. That actually happens like way earlier, doesn't it? Uh, it's not way earlier, but it's a like little bit, a little but. earlier. But basically, everyone from the government is wiped out. And V has already blown up most of the other government facilities. And now, everything's blown up. All the bad guys are dead. The leader bad guys are dead. And Evie takes over as V and kidnaps a guy who, I didn't realize this, but once I read the summary of it, was uh, the assistant to the guy who worked in the in the mouth or the ear, Mr. Stone, like Bascom's the assistant, the nostril, <laughs> the, uh, the frenulum, <laughs> the, the frenulum. <laughs> <laughs> What's that part of your ear? That's like this thing, like the, the ear hole. What the fuck no, are you like talking before about? The, the, the pointy part that comes out before the hole. Uh, that's the frenulum. It's, oh, okay. It's it's the friend of you. I have no idea what that's called, actually. Nate, yeah, do you know? Not a clue. I know. I used to know because it, it was... It uh, doesn't matter. But then she takes over. It becomes V. Finch is walking around out town, and he sees the uh, shitty wife. who's oh, like, I've taken up with the these Tragus. bandits. And he's like, uh, Tragus, that's what it is. Yes. I only knew that because of the piercing. But... Ah, uh, uh, yes. That's, that's the only time I met Prince Albert. <laughs> oh, oh, God. That's a much worse piercing. It's in your penis hole. But um, (laughs) Finch sees that shitty wife, and she's taken up with some Mad Max-style bandits outside of town. She's like, take me out of here. Take me home, Country Roads. And he's like, I'm just going to go. And he walks down a highway, and the book ends. And that's the end of V for Vendetta. And, yeah. Oof. We butchered it, but we got through it. (laughs) You know what, man? It's so... There's so many... Sub, I, when I, was, I read it a bunch of times, and there's so many subplots and so many other characters that are like tertiary that all line up by the end. But why read it? Who the fuck is that shit? Oh man, it's there's so much. It's so hard to just breeze through this, despite being a fucking picture book. It's yeah, it's it, you're like, oh, 260 pages of pictures. This will be fast. It's a it's an investment if you actually want to get it, and it. There's a lot of different factors that make it take long. One is, as Jimmy just identified, the extremely convoluted subplots. But then also there's the fact that like V is constantly quoting things and you know quotes from Shakespeare, quotes from songs, quotes from famous poems. And you're like, do I know what this? Should I fucking know what this is? Do I have to think about this line? One is a Rolling Stones song. There's a Rolling Stones. Uh, I, I, I found myself looking up a lot of the quotes because I go, Obviously, he's not. They're in quotation marks. He's quoting something. What's that from? Yeah, and there's a lot of Shakespeare. He's got a flair for theater. 
Well, yeah. Which is probably what got him put in Flair the Flair for the dramatic. Because <laughs> they never actually reveal why he was... But you, in the but camp, you know but he's very, white. You know he's a white guy, and that camp was for black people and gays. So it was for everyone who wasn't white. Okay, anyone who wasn't white and homosexuals, and he's yeah. a white guy. So also, uh, no, I mean, also for communists, also for and socialists, or any, any political opponent. Because Evie's yeah. dad was taken to the camps for being a socialist, and her mom died in some other fashion and then she was put in a work camp as a child working in a munitions factory the mom died of some random ailment because oh, they had yeah. like you know they were malnourished gout and that's no that's the opposite you know <laughs> that's not how that works at all <laughs> i think everyone knows this book or at least knows the story because the mask has become synonymous with a fuckload of things Mainly because of that internet group, Anonymous, oh, who, use it for, who use it for shit. And then the movie came out, and the movie was pretty big. Uh, it's hyped up as fuck. It was hyped up as fuck because of, you know, everyone like, oh, I know that mask. Ha-ha. But uh, I think we all have differing opinions on the film. But So I only saw it once. I saw it in theaters way back in 2006 when it came out. Yeah. And... I thought it was fine because I didn't read the book at that point. I thought it was a mm. fine movie. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Uh, I thought even then, like this is a little heavy-handed about the Bush stuff, but I can't remember why at this point because it's been 15 years. But Nate, well, you guys uh, it was will. very heavy-handed in a number of ways. Let's just say, I mean, just, okay, the whole concept of oppression by the government and then there's terrorism and obviously in 2006 this was you know only five years after 9-11 but there had also been attacks in europe in london and in spain and this is only three years after the or more like the after the invasion of u.s invasion of iraq uh and there's one thing as you see is evie is in the weird guy's house and he sees a poster that says coalition of the willing and then it's a nazi flag in nazi memorabilia right there there's a thing on the news too about how america's war has spread and ruined the world and shit like oh that. yeah and the guy's yeah. like we don't want their grain shipments right or something like that right. some shit like send that, it yeah. back to the colonies i remember that being a <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was prothero probably he was one that called them the colonies for a fucking wasn't, red coat wasn't uh stephen fry in it he was, yeah. Stephen Fry was in the movie. He was not a character that exists in the book, but he was probably one of the best parts of the movie because he's just good in everything. I love he's just, Fry. just fucking such an affable fellow. I'd so go gay for Stephen Fry. Oh. Well, he was gay in the movie and in real life. <laughs> Stephen Fry, right? Is, I always forget. He's pretty gay. He's married to a man. That's <laughs> that's. <laughs> I mean, that's your first clue. So, what struck me about. Just the fact that, just like at the time when the film came out, and the fact that the film is, I mean, this it it's pro terrorism. It's I pro anarchy. Okay, which is terrorism. no, the well, film is that's not. Also, the film that's also only, a big thing. So in the book, the b- book mentions anarchy a whole bunch of times. In the movie, it's not really about anarchy. It's really just like it's it's just fighting against the you know fascism or the impression. Uh, they oppression. say the word anarchy one time, and it's a it's a guy robbing a liquor store who yells anarchy in the UK. Yeah, and they never ever mention the concept. Uh, like the book is fistingly heavy handed political. Yes, the movie is 
Well, I I wrote this thing. It's down also that very. Alan Moore said it, it's also very political, but yeah, but very different. Um, so if it's Moore time. said this about the script. He says. The movie has been turned into a Bush-era parable by people too timid to set a political satire in their own country. It's a thwarted and frustrated and largely impotent American liberal fantasy of someone with an American liberal values standing up against a state run by neoconservatives, which is not what the comic V from Dead was about. It's about fascism. It's about anarchy. It's about England. Which, he's right. Yeah. Like, the book was very much about... The problem is not fascism. It is, kind of, yes, it is about fascism. But the problem is that government in and of itself is the problem, which Man, that is sounds not like something the Reagan would say. <laughs> that's that's but Reagan's in a very, thing. very different, different, different way. Very different way. Well, yeah, he still yeah, wanted to be in charge. Well, that's the problem when you distill anything to a slogan. Yes. That was the thing here in the, the, the main, the, 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 uh, the movie changed the backstory of the, of the whole thing where they yeah, said. Yeah, to a pandemic. Yeah, they changed it to a nuclear there war. Were, there was a, there was a pandemic. It was not even a pandemic. It was just in England. It was a, there was an epidemic, oh, yeah. I guess yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. And the epidemic started killing people. And no, it's also in America. America doesn't. Oh, okay. it was, they have like both a civil war and their. Oh, the, yeah, the American the civil colony. war has happened. But um, again, again, yeah, Which is, we're not even over that now. This is the second civil American civil war. But in the movie, this the, time it's personal. <laughs> the in the movie the um, the government in charge, the Norse fire fascists, orchestrated this secret government plot to unleash a virus into the population so that they could seize power in the ensuing chaos and which is you know the reichstag in the in the movie that was the whole thing but in the book there was a nuclear winter which alan moore says yeah i got that whole nuclear winter thing wrong that's not how it would go down it would just we'd all be fucked but the problem was that there was this whole shit went crazy everybody went nuts and then these fascists took control and everyone voted for it purposefully because they said, this is what we have to do. We choose this momentarily, but not really ever, because this is what's necessary. Whereas in the movie, we're just like, ah, there was a conspiracy and they faked it and they just took over. Which for me, that was the biggest problem with the movie. I, I liked the movie; it was it was good. I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed all of it, but that that kind of really changed a lot. Which was mm. the message was: these people chose this because that's what people fucking do. They choose to be safe temporarily from things that they don't really get, and they will submit themselves to this. So, but that's actually kind of true. People really do. Absolutely, do, do it all the time. So I think he was he was right that that is a that is a human. Wait, wait, but Jimmy's talking about the book versus the movie right now, right? The movie yeah, no. takes that out of it. The movie takes it out of it. Yeah, no. Uh, Nate was agreeing. Yeah. I'm just, I'm confused. That I'm trying to clarify. Yeah, Nate was saying yes. People do vote willingly. Oh, I, I to agree take with Nate. Their own shit away. But oh, yeah. w- the 
The movie takes it out. The movie the mo- takes the it book out like has saying that, like, and the movie makes it conspiratorial. The where movie it's makes like, it a thing like, oh, as if people people can only be fooled in one way. As there was a to, conspiracy, and then they just took over. That's not. That's not the point. The point is people willingly cede their own freedom in exchange for perceived safety, and then they end up under right. gotcha. fascism. Which, you know, is extreme, but Alamore's an extreme guy. Very. It's it's true, though. It, it is true. It's absolutely true. But not, uh, of course, it's, it's hyper- hyperbolic in this book, but that's, well, that's a thing. Less hyperbolic books today. aren't much fun. Then they voted themselves into slightly regulatory government. It's like, oh, all right. And then the capital <laughs> gains tax was relaxed. <laughs> And then, and then the highest marginal tax rate went from thirty-five to thirty-nine percent. Tyranny, oh, no. communism. <laughs> so, okay, Over. let me get back to this like terrorism hands. thing for a second. Okay, yes. Oh, but we're actually going to go. But we're going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to so do whatever we want. For a long time, like when Hollywood podcast. made war movies. The war, the, the the heroes were the soldiers because they're winning the big war against the bad guys. But then, what era the, but are then, you? so that's like the 1950s. He's that's like everything the 1940s, up until 1950s, the 70s, 1960s, even. But then okay. the Vietnam War happens, happens for real, and goes really badly. And then Hollywood doesn't want to make any war movies anymore. And then Star Wars comes in and flips the script around and makes the rebels the heroes. Instead mm. of being like the government, the heroes. Okay. Star Wars makes the rebels the heroes, and then makes war movies kind of like fun and popular again. The underdog. Exactly the underdogs as the heroes. In so okay, 2006 when this movie comes out, and and it's being like produced in 2004 and 2005 because you know it takes a couple years to make a movie. This flips the script from. To it in that same way, except it's not like the Cold War fighting against like a you know the communists. It is it flips script to the the terrorists being the heroes, and instead of like the the protagonist fighting against the terrorists, like every other fucking movie, this movie was like no, the terrorists are the heroes. Yeah, I'm like wait a minute, what is this saying? What? Now it has in part of the in in V for Vendetta it set up the it sets up the government as incredibly oppre- fascist, incredibly oppressive, concentration camps, mass murder, all those kinds of things that set up a situation where you can't help but but you know sympathize and makes makes sense that you know that the main character would do that because the government is totally cartoonishly evil. But what a bold choice for two thousand six. Like, holy crap, they really did that? I was, like, really shocked because I had, I, I had never read it and I had never seen the movie until this week. Oh, this is your like, first time reading it? Yeah, first time reading it, first time seeing the movie. It's like, whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I that's can see a, that. That's a very, very bold uh, political statement they're making in that. But Just like um, the Dixie did chicks. Chain didn't... Did, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dixie Chicks def- Wait, definitely. So the statement is anarchy is better than the state. The movie, the movie is had not nothing about to do anarchy. with anarchy. It is not about anarchy. But, but the movie is, or the movie is the, the movie is fight against evil governments. The end. 
It's it's very simplistic. I remember that. The movie movie. dumbs it down a lot. Right. Because you're not going to make a Hollywood movie where it's like, there are Nazis. The answer is a lack of government. It's always like, the good guys are going to win. It's never... Fuck was, government in but general. Was the book that articulate about anarchy? Anarchism? As as in one little section, it was as like in, in one thinkers section. think of it, not as seventeen year old boys it's think of lowercase it. anarchy versus uppercase anarchy. Which is the one where it's in a circle, <laughs> or the A is in a circle? Both. Because <laughs> that's that's what most people think about when they think of anarchy. They're like, yeah, fuck everything, but they're not thinking yeah. of like. That's, or the that is the exactly is. thing where he said it's the land of do as you please versus the land of take what you want. Land of do as you please is uppercase anarchy where there's no leaders, but people still work together and they have this society where things are going okay. Lowercase anarchy is basically pandemonium. And he says it has to go through that period to get to the good stuff. Maybe it won't get there. But that's true of kind of every revolution. Uh, well, in theory, well, that's kind of an unprovable theory. <laughs> or like you'd have What's to the, you'd have to do a lot of you'd have to do a lot of do high a lot stakes, of revolutions, high stakes <laughs> testing to test that theory. Yeah. It's the difference between you know just like extreme libertarianism on one side, that's like the do what you want kind of thing, and Hobbes's uh, state of nature, where just everyone whoever can just like murder the most people they're going to end up being in charge which is what every post-apocalyptic mad book, max yeah movie yeah everything you know like negan from walking dead might make right yeah might make right so this this book is much more heavily focused on the idea of anarchism because i think alan moore is an actual anarchist the movie just as like, those guys are Nazis, I'm going to stab them with knives, and I'm going to look good doing it. And he That's does look good doing cool it. cool slow-mo moves. <laughs> yeah, a lot of cool slow-mo, and I'm going to stab Slow-mo sexual. Oh, that's why <laughs> I put him in the camp. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually another thing that the movie changed, I think, for the worse. There was some cool stuff. There was some stuff in the movie. I think the movie did better. And I say that as this is honestly this is one of my favorite books it cut out of all time. So basically. much bullshit, the movie. You know, I didn't think the other stuff was bullshit, and I, I'll explain why. But what the movie did do better was despite leaving out everything about anarchy and you know, basically self rule, uh, was that at the end he got everybody rallied together to face off against the government and basically revolt. And the book never gets to that point. That's how the movie ends, right? They're all, the movie every, ends, everybody's wearing the mask, right? He mails, he mails a V mask to everybody. And a highly functioning uh, postal service for, yeah. you know, yeah. And in the, the post service make run the by the fascist government never questions. We got one billion orders to the, from this, we'll pick them up here and then we'll send them out. Yeah, it's great. And the tax yeah. revenue, <laughs> But in the, you know, for an anarchist revolution that he is trying to get through, he actually kind of does it in the movie. And in the book, it doesn't actually happen. I think it the remains movie, unfinished. It, it, it really cuts, it like ends the, before the, main, the revolution can happen. I mean, well, actually, okay. 
oh, maybe I'm misremembering, but in the in the book, the leaders are dead. The leaders are all dead. Yeah, but nobody is. Te- it doesn't. At least the book doesn't show lead other people stepping in to replace them and just re reestablishing a sort of government order. It's almost like he leaves it at a form of anarchy where. Or or he leaves it at that only because he doesn't show what happens next. It kind of like it just he, ends. Yeah, it just kind of ends before any anyone on either side can assert anything. It just kind of ends, and a lot the book does not show, like the movie does, like the common people's reaction to things. The movie does show people throughout the movie, at first, like just watching the news, like oh man, that's fucked up, and then by the end, we're like, wait, this is bullshit. And then realizing that it's a fucking scam and they start revolting. And the movie does do that better. I don't know that Alan Moore, you know, did it badly. I think he just didn't put that part in because, you know, kind of leave it up to the reader. He, he puts a lot of like seeds for that, like with like like turning Prothero into a babbling idiot that shakes the confidence in the populace who's been used to this. Fucking yeah. the propaganda station. In the, the also there was a huge change from the book to the movie. Was in the book, uh, Doc Mister Susan uh, spends all his time. Like Gary Oldman, who, who's who's who? Play, uh, John, Hurt? John Hurt, John Hurt, John Hurt. Right? Yeah, and in the movie, in the book, he spends all his time in a big computer room, basically with like a giant computer that uh, surveils everything at all times, and he can kind of you know. This is the 1984. The fl- so yeah, basically, he, he can like thing. nudge the the course right. of civilization through subtle means and no happening all times and algorithms. And the Click movie bait. was just like you know, uh, big head, uh, you know, uh, Hitler yelling at things and taking over. And there was not as much of the the idea of there was no fate machine at all. That was that was a big change, which you know. It just made more sense if you're going to slim it down and just make him a yelly Hitler. He even gave him the same hair. But also the way he dies is different in the movie too, right? Like don't in the, movie, the goons bring yeah, him to in, V? In the movies, they coo him. Uh, v is like, give me Suttler, because they changed his name from Susan, because no one would take that seriously, uh, to Creedy, and Creedy brings him Susan, Sutler. And this and is when they shoot him a bunch him. of times and he has the bullet. And they shoot him a bunch of times on. and then he's got magic powers and he stabs them all with his knives. As opposed to the book where the sad widow shoots him and Creedy and Conrad kill each other and the wife is like, you dumb bastards, because there's a million other subplots in the book that don't exist in the movie. For the sake of keeping it straightforward and for the sake of, I think... Making V more sympathetic. In the movie, he's much more of a like a oh, he's just he's trying to kill his people who put him in a camp and they took over England. Whereas in the book, he's doing the same thing, but he's a fucking monster in the book. He kills left and right everyone nearby just because. In the book, he in, in the movie, he knocks out a bunch of those dirty cops just like he punches them. Like, oh, I'm not going to kill them. Why not? Why would I? In the book, he blows them up and stabs 100 people because he is an extremist. And I think that terrorist. is a very big terrorist. Oh. I guess, yeah, they are the, I guess the definition would be like, what is a terrorist versus a freedom fighter? Duh, 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 duh. But 
Is it a terrorist if he's against the fucking Nazis? I don't know. He does use his position as the uh, concentration camp gardener to get the, like, ammonia fertilizer, ammonia fertilizer to make a Timothy McVeigh bomb, <laughs> and he blows up the yeah. camp with Which it. Which hadn't happened yet when this I came know. out. And sp- if, if only Timothy McVeigh was found carrying this book, things would have been different, but he had, like, the Turner Diaries. With they would sell like this that. at gun shows. Yeah, but... I, I I have to rewatch the movie. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave you it's, guys. You know, to it's it. still good. I watched it today. It's still good, but it is it's significantly diminished. But only because this would be a three hour weird like psychological thing. Well, otherwise, what do you think Moore's message is then versus the Wachowski's message? Like, what's the Wachowskis hated George Bush? Yeah, of course. There were you know how brave. Hollywood liberals didn't <laughs> like the Republican president. Wow. Okay, great. Yeah. But like, sure. Okay. Um, Alan Moore's message was, this is what could happen because if you put anyone in charge, this could always happen. These people that you put in charge always could get weird. And when you give up freedom for perceived safety i guess he, he he's hyperbolic and he's almost a hermit at this point but you know i mean i don't say i disagree with him what do you think nate i don't know what his message is i don't besides maybe anarchy besides just like fuck the government anarchy but is that fuck the government in the you know juvenile sense or in the you know i mean there are different strands of anarchy too right there's anarcho-communism there's anarcho-capitalism there's all sorts of different forms of anarchy that have exist in theory that nobody ever bothers to try because it's they tried in barcelona and what happened there they all slept Uh, the fascists (laughs) took them out (laughs) i don't know anything about barcelona's anarchy. it was the spanish civil war the anarchists had a, a significant contingent that's what george orwell fought for in homage to catalonia and in real life, oh, which is okay. that's what he was fought for the anarchists. Um, but the anarchy has never gotten big except for that one time, and then the fascists killed them all. Well, I know it's a great book. I know that there are people on both sides of the political aisle, but they're at the very extreme ends of it, obviously, who believe in anarchy and have their vision of how that would work differently. But what do you think? more is talking about here when he says anarchy nate because well, you said anarchy. i have no fucking idea i really that is an excellent question and i really don't know the answer to that i think he's definitely talking about capital a anarchy meaning full meaning, on no government end of fight club anarchy <laughs> hunter gatherers uh, no, end, end of fight club is different uh, actual anarchy involves basically limited local government no hierarchies. It's more like family groups and friendships and... Or even like communes or, you know, basically just no one is the boss. But it doesn't mean chaos, which is what every dumb punk kid says. Every mouth-breathing douchebag with a denim jacket thinks it's... No, and the, the Sex Pistols, you know, had their Anarchy in the UK song, which is quoted in the movie... And then the one guy in the band said, like, oh, we're definitely not a political band. It's like, okay, whatever. Well, they were, they were a, a boy band. <laughs> they, uh, were a fa- they were absolutely a boy band. They were founded by a fashion magnate 
who said I could make a fucking boy band. Um, I'll get boys that can't even play their goddamn instruments. <laughs> and then he got, but they love heroin. Can't have a heroin without heroes, and that's who's going to play in this band. And what they won't need to eat because they're strung out. I, I think, uh, you know, from what I'm gathering, I've not seen the movie in a long time. Just reread the book. The anarchy thing is a, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like it's like a young man's stupid idea. The idea of like chaos, like that's appealing to like teenage boys. And that seems to be what the movie seems to stress more than the book. In the usage of the word, it's not chaos. Of course and not. The movie never mentions it at all. But he's it's just like the, rebel against these fascists and take back and make a lovely normal government. Yeah, but he's not saying rebel against the fascists and we'll have a you know a bicameral fucking legislative legislature that you know makes laws about tax you know graduated tax brackets. <laughs> no, no revolution is that specific. No, well that's that's also I guess part of the problem of revolutions, right? They don't actually have you know you need to have a slogan that is not very committed to anything. But the imagery in the book and the movie is is all very, what you are calling low, lowercase a anarchy, right? Like the p- images of the V symbol spray painted over images of like Union Jack or whatever the fuck they use or the Norse fire flag. There was the peace, unity, peace, peace through unity, Jesus. That's very Orwellian white too. White people shit, you know. Very. Yeah, as I say, all's well that Orwell's. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, okay. Different question. Which is better, Watchmen or V for Vendetta? Watchmen. Next question. I'm going with V for Vendetta. Ooh, Nate, you're the tiebreaker. Ooh, okay. Um, (laughs) I am definitely gonna have to go with Watchmen. Actually, because how's my dick taste, Jimmy? Tastes salty. Yeah, it's a, it's a little vinegary. <laughs> I've been trying to work out. <laughs> Did you do thirty-seven crunches? No, I ate thirty-seven <laughs> bags of Dorito crunchies. That's different. <laughs> cool Ranch. It's Cool Ranch. It's cool. Ranch. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Spicy picante. <laughs> Even from page one of of Fever Vendetta. I was like, wow, this is really not subtle. This was, it, it, it kind of like wasn't, even though I had actually never read it before or seen the movie, I was like, okay, I know exactly. Not that I knew exactly what was going to happen because there's no way I was going to predict that. But like, I know what this is about. This is one of those, this is just 1984 again. It's 1983, since the book came out. No, 1985. And I was like, uh, this again? I don't know. I was immediately like, it's not that I wasn't interested. It was fine. I was interested in what happens next. And, you know, I I did want to read it. Could you compare it like every other people fighting against dystopian government, would you just say is a knockoff of 1984, though? No. This was... I mean, yes, there is. You could make a case for that, which I, which I wouldn't. I would say there are different ways you can do that. That doesn't feel like exactly the same thing. Because what, what did this have in common with 1984? Okay, the tone, the tone. It's the British authoritarian British government that watches everyone. That has slogans like you know, ignorance is strength, and unity and peace, peace and through like purity, and purity mm-hmm. is strength. You know, use. 
definitely borrowing it from that. And yeah, the uh, just the the very authoritarian authoritarian nature of the British government in London after a war. I mean, I could go on, and that's just what I've thought of. But isn't in the that last, also in, in the last thirty uh, seconds? Brave New World. I think Brave New World is also in this, though. Brave New World. Brave New World is a lot sillier than this. Brave New World, it, though, you did, know it, what I mean? did it a decade earlier than uh, 1984. Or, or, well, yes. But like, I'm, uh, what I'm saying is this, the tone sure, of Beef from Vendetta yeah, yeah, matches 1984 more than, uh, more than Brave New World. That Even though, obviously, they're both, they're, both, they're both dystopias that take place in London and with some authoritarian, with, with, you know, authoritarian nature and stuff like that. that, that that's it, definitely true. I felt that because I recognized immediately exactly what was going to go on, even though I couldn't have guessed the plot because it is just very weird. I felt like it was so familiar. Whereas Watchmen was more, there was more mystery to it. Like Watchmen was more unique. Even though Watchmen is obviously drawing from lots of other, you know, sources as well, lots of other inspirations as well, which is fine. That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. This is in fact a very good thing, but it was more, more unique is the way I would say it. Whereas Fever and Data was like, ah, this shit again. That was just my reaction. I, I will, I will give you that. Yeah. Like the story was more different. It wasn't just guy fights back against authoritarians and it was weirder. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I know you know my opinion, but Michael, why did, why did you think? So I, um, I think for, I think V for Vendetta aged worse is the, what it comes down to for me. Watchmen also has some like dated corny shit, but I think there's a combination of things. Like it's a graphic novel. So like the visual part is really important, even though we're kind of really just talking about the words. It was fucking difficult to follow this book. Hmm. The art style, everybody looks the goddamn same. It's as if they're the equivalent of Lego people. Did you notice that a lot of the people throughout the book had this, when they would zoom in on, because a lot of shadows, had the Guy Fox face. A lot of people, a lot of characters had it when they would zoom in on them. I'm sure there's a reason for that, but I don't know what it is. They had that, like, that weird big smile and the, like, the shadows would make a mustache. That's probably a, like, oh, we're all rebels kind of dumb bullshit. Or Which is another thing. I, I, I just felt it was hard to follow this. Whereas Watchmen, I didn't love the plot of Watchmen at all points. I thought Watchmen was a little pretentious and bloated. But I understood it the whole way through. Even when I was like, oh, fuck, I got to read four pages of dense philosophical text. I felt that V for Vendetta was confusing. And I, there was some stuff that I thought was really cool. Like there's this one chapter where there's like sheet music underneath all the panels and it's like a weird, you know, different Sings a song. Thing. Yeah, it's like a weird different thing that goes along with it. And it kind of like repeats panels, but like the image has changed a little bit. Like I thought there was a lot of really creative things that happened in V for Vendetta. But I think overall the plot was confusing the art style was made it harder to follow a confusing plot than was necessary. And that alone made me not really like love the book. Cause I've read this is the second time I've read it now and I gave it four stars both times. Like it was great. It's excellent. It's better than the overwhelming majority of graphic novels. Cause most of them are just trash. I think it's, I just think 
it's not the greatest thing that's ever come out. I just don't. I think Watchmen's better. Watchmen, except for like the very end, where like, oh, here's a pile of fake aliens. <laughs> that part was stupid. But, yeah. <laughs> but the rest of Watchmen, I kind of dug. And I think like, here, to compare, I suppose, the films, Watchmen from the book to the screen didn't change a whole lot. Well, that was very much a choice on the part of the people involved. Of course. But I feel like... And a they, product of the time that came out. They, didn't, they weren't that far apart in years. Yeah, but in terms of like, Wachowski is making I Hate George Bush movie versus Watchmen. And Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder, at the time that he made this, that he made Watchmen, his whole shtick was, I recreate comic books on screen. I think he did a good job of that in Watchmen, actually. He did, but that was his thing, was I take the book and then I make the pictures move. He didn't change things. That's not what he did. Well, he made a few editorial decisions, but maybe that's... Maybe there's another problem here. That aside from the end, which was honestly, I think the movie was better on the end. But the I end agree. of but the rewriting of the end of Watchmen wasn't for a political message. It was just no. kind of like yeah. he just thought probably just he was, just thought like this is a better. This Let me just update ending. this a little bit for a generation yeah, later. That that made perfect sense. This one, I felt like the movie changes. Kind of, it was just it was just different. The movie makes it very. Uh, what is already a very political book makes it polemical, but in like a kicked in the head by a mule way. Like you're not, there's not a lot of understanding. It takes, it takes the political theory out of it and just says, this is a left versus right issue. Well, that's, well, I guess in many ways they won in the long run because that's how everything works in America right now. Yeah. Like you can't even, like, everything is a left versus right issue right now in America. The the point of the book was, I mean, it's kind of left versus right, but it is the point was that any government can do this. And Alan Moore was just like, nope, that's, that's all fucked. They're all fucked. Different kinds of fucked, but fucked. So you're saying the Wachowskis misinterpreted in his book? No, I don't think they misinterpreted it at all. I think they made it into a Hollywood movie, which is perfectly fine. You're not going to make a heady anarchist theory action movie. It's not going to happen. No one's going to go see that shit. They want to see a guy who's good with knives. And he has moderate superpowers. Not superpowers. Supra? Supra powers? I don't, I don't know. He's pretty good. He's above average. He's a highly skilled normal human. Yeah. Not Superman. Yeah. He's like Ozymandias in Watchmen. And yeah, in the movie, he's like this great... You know, he's just out to revenge. And the book, he kills without regard. And it's complicated. And I think that it was too complicated for a two-hour movie. And that's fair. It's just a different thing. It's a, it's a different spin on things. Yeah, they just turned him into British Batman. It's basically what it was. Yeah, Batman doesn't kill. V Batman stabs fascists. Batman... Oh, Batman kills delayed. He, they die three weeks later in the hospital. From they die of internal bleeding and shit. <laughs> yeah. They, they have to die. V, v kills fascists, and Batman He's like Woody mobsters. Guthrie's guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he is basically Woody Guthrie's guitar. Same amount of weird hair. He's like, this land is our land. And then he's just... <laughs> you can't kill land with bullets. <laughs> If I knew in any other Woody Guthrie song, I'd be trying to make a pun about it, but I have nothing. I don't know. So this is one of my favorite books. I think it's I good. It. I think it's really good. I, I don't blame you for I loving love it. I love this book. 
Are, is it perfect? No, I don't think so. Is it overly complicated? The fact that you paused means yes. <laughs> is it overly complicated for if we have to speed read it? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Does it need to be this complicated? No. But I think in the movie, he's much more of a, I, they were mean to me, I'm going to stab everyone to death. And in the book, he's much more of a, I'm a mastermind schemer, and I'm going to set it up so they kill each other, and everything topples. Because the point of both of them is that it's not about him. It's about everyone else taking charge. That's why he's never revealed who he is. That's the whole point of both of them, and they get that right in both. That's why the, the mask movie. has become such a symbol of yeah, douchebags. No, I mean, kind of, they kind of cheapened it with like, I hack. You know, It's not what it's about. But the movie did get that right with everyone else taking over at the end, and I'll give them that. 100%. It's not I don't I don't dislike the movie. I think that they just there was a few things that really cheapened it for me that I found not great. But I only say that because as, as I love this movie. You know, we didn't mention about George Bush, but I remember now just thinking about the movie Stephen Fry they kill him for having a Quran, right? That's Oh what, yeah, that was that was like it's a bit could you, yeah, could you put top. any more weights on that hand? That hand is subterranean. It's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not even, I was like, are you a Muslim? And it's like, I'm not a Muslim. I just like the pretty pictures. Of letters? <laughs> That's the, yeah, they can't have there fucking are pictures. No pictures. So I think there are plenty of things to criticize about the book, as most books, as every book probably. I think it's overpraised, but I still think it's great. I gave it four stars. That's pretty high praise. I say that for things like My Uncle Oswald and other stupid <laughs> books we've read. But really, I think it's... Only a, the top... The top cream of the crop shitty books, books Only the best adult Roald Dahl books. I think it's... Which you'd have to go to Patreon to listen to that episode. But I think it's... I think it's good. I think it's really good. The message is hard... It, and this might be Alan Moore's point as well... I don't think Alan Moore ever wants to just give you an answer. I think Alan Moore wants oh, to make you work not. for it. Like he has this like thousand page book of text out. Like there's a, he has like he has like a bunch of shit. I've read some other I read his like weird book about like erotica. <laughs> it's like what's this? There's like him just like talking about porn. This guy's a weirdo. Sounds about right, yeah. I I'm surprised that wasn't the thousand page book actually. Um uh, but he has a book called like Jerusalem or something like that. Which is, yeah. I think it's like a thousand pages and it's not a comic book. He's a weird guy who lives in the swamp and just turns out shit on a typewriter. He sends by carrier pigeon to a publisher. I exaggerate, but not that much. I say that as a fan. Yeah, Jerusalem is 1,200 pages and it's just a novel. He's never going to give anyone a straight answer on anything. And people are going to willfully misinterpret his work for decades. He, I read a thing he wrote about um about Watchmen, where he would go to conventions, which are just the worst. <laughs> uh, and people would how talk about how much they love Rorschach because, oh, he's so cool, he's the best. And Alan Moore was just like, he's a... He's a terrible person. You're not supposed to like Rorschach. He's a monster. And you smell, please never talk to me again. That was what he said. And you know Alan Moore smells. 
Oh, he absolutely <laughs> smells. But at, in terms of comic conventions, Alan Moore is the least smelly man there. Have you ever seen a picture of him? It must be so upsetting to watch him eat a sandwich. Like that beard and hair, it must be a horrible image. It's just like a yeah, like Chewbacca's asshole shitting in reverse. <laughs> it's just what you're watching. It's like Jerry Garcia standing in front of a fan that a meatball got thrown into. It's a long, strange trip, man. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, if he's never going to give you a straight answer, then why are you going to talk about serious things? That bothers me. I mean, it's it's true of all. You know, literature where it's like, you don't need to have a fucking straight answer. You get what from it you want. People are going to take what they want from it, whether or not someone gives you a straight answer. People are always going to interpret what they want from something. Well, you can have a clearer answer than this. Yeah. You can have I a mean, clearer answer than Alan I feel Moore. like I feel like his answer was pretty clear in this one. Anarchy. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll work out. It was like, no, nah, they're all fucked, dude. But I think I maybe he's maybe he's assuming a certain knowledge from the reader that does that we we don't possess the uh, oh he absolutely is yeah that they're all experts in anarchist theory and they've all like, read uh, Murray Bookchin and <laughs> who exactly <laughs> you about Murray uh, who the fuck is that guy's name Roth, Rothbard Rothbard he's he's a super right winger that guy yeah he is a Holocaust the- denier that guy. The guy who said uh, in the 50s... Did you combine Murray Rothbard with... No, no, no. Murray Bookchin, the Russian communist anarchist? (laughs) Murray Bookchin is an anarchist, a philosopher. Uh, And Murray Rothbard um, was the guy who said in the 50s, I think it was, that we've made a great victory... You know, recently, and our victory is taking the word libertarian from the left because libertarian used to be an anarchist thing. They would call themselves that both. They called themselves both. It wasn't like just that. But then Murray Rothbard and the people on the what became the libertarian movement kind of usurped it and took the name libertarian from them. And then since then has meant very different things. The libertarian movement is not till like the seventies when that became what we recognize. Maybe it was today. the seventies. I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, he died said. in the nineties, so it's not unbelievable. It could have been the seventies then, but it's on Goodreads. If you look up Murray Rothbard, anarchism, libertarian, like he's like, yeah, we took it from him. Got it. That's a win for us. Basically, was his quote. And what's interesting to me is that he was a Jewish man who denied the Holocaust. So that's a very that's interesting a character. Bold move. I don't know what to think of that. I don't. I don't know what his. Uh, must have really liked Mel- I don't know what to think of that. He really <laughs> liked Mel Gibson movies. I don't know. <laughs> Were there any in the 70s? <laughs> he died in the, he died in like 1997, that guy. 96. He was just a big fan of Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> we didn't lose Lethal Weapons against the Jews. <laughs> so that was his thing. <laughs> That's a bold move. I don't know. That guy was fucking crazy. He also talked about how it was um it's of course it's a crime to kill your kids. But if you let your kid starve to death, that's not a crime because it's your kid. It's your property. He said that? Absolutely. Good wow. dude. Anyway, I have that Alan option Moore, as a parent. psycho weirdo. <laughs> but weird. Still kicking. And I love this book. I love this book. I really do. And that's because I'm a, I'm a bad person, maybe. I don't know. But I just love to see fascists get blown up. <laughs> 
So there go is, listen to some. It is satisfying. It is. Go yeah. listen to a lot of Woody Guthrie. I just hate folk music. Anything with acoustic guitar is like I don't. I'm I'm bored. Every strum. That's a dead. He's fa- just that's a James dead fascist. Taylor with more incendiary <laughs> lyrics. Say, my God, I'm going to Carolina to salt a union. <laughs> that's what he's doing. <laughs> Well, I recommend reading this book because it's the best. I and recommend reading because it's, it's the medium. It's, I think they also recommend reading this book because it's worth reading. It's, I think it's, and Mike, now that you haven't seen the movie in 15 years and you've reread it and discussed it with us, do you still feel the movie is good? I feel the movie is good, but I still think the book is way better. I, you know, the book is fine. It's really good. I just, I, you know, the movie clears up so much of like the confusing weird shit for me in the book. It, I, just, it just cuts out. All the subplots. Yeah, and you know, when I saw it, I wasn't really thinking about the political shit. So maybe that's part of why I liked the movie. And I'm afraid to watch it again because I don't want to ruin it. I don't want it to be like, oh, that was a shitty movie. <laughs> I, mean, I, I understand it's, it's that's bad. a silly thought, but... No, no, it's it's not bad. It's just not as good as you remember. I I just thought it was like, oh, this is like The Matrix, but less about computers. <laughs> More fun. knives, less computers. Well, yeah, they all know Kung Fu. Uh it's, you know, I, I'll watch it at some point, maybe. Who knows? It's free on HBO right now. Oh, but you have to pay to get HBO. What kind of anarchy is that, Jimmy? It's, it's not anarchy. It's capitalism. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long which has been very long. Leave us a review wherever you're listening and tell us what you thought. Uh, you know, just round up to five stars. One for, uh, you know, for all the numbers in V, which is five. Holy shit. Five stars. V stars, please. <laughs> That's a lot of stars. And if you want to do Roman stuff, also go to Goodreads and be our friend. And also join our groups because we chat about books sometimes when people actually comment and the more people that join the more comments there will be it's like herpes it spreads (laughs) sell it jimmy (laughs) you don't have to sell herpes it's free (laughs) and check out the hopped up network a network of independent beer podcasters and thanks for listening